Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Six point five percent was it? Is is that what the current odds are of the Stanley Cup? Well, and you if you look at the round by round progression, the Stanley Cup favorite is uh-huh. the Vancouver Canucks. Like what a time to be alive! I- Talking you through every goalie controversy, scoring slump, and draft lottery bust. This is the C4 Podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Here they are, the best starting lineup we could afford under the salary cap. Chris, Matt, Anna, and Adam. Welcome to another episode of the C4 Podcast brought to you by Full Press Coverage. I am one of your co-hosts, Matt Lee. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lee underscore 61. Joined virtually by my talented co-host, Anna Forsyth, who you can follow on Twitter at aforsyth 3 Missing in action today, Chris Golden. Teaching. Doing the thing. Also teaching Adam Ovenel Carter, who did make a, a very brief appearance in Discord this morning, I must mention. Anna, how are you? Yeah, you must mention that. Just to, I'm all right. I'm pleased and surprised to hear you refer to me as your talented co-host. Oh, I'm, it's much I'm nicer full of than happy you things to are. say about all of my talented co-hosts. Um, uh-huh. Speaking of Adam, I'm sure you saw it, Anna. You can follow us in Discord, by the way, going to bit.ly, the bit.ly link, and it's slash C4Discord, all caps. A special warm welcome, by the way, to a new Discord member, Hercules19, by the way, a longtime listener of the C4 podcast who recently joined us here in Discord. So a warm welcome to Hercules19, one of our newest members to our Discord channel. Again, check us out if you want to interact with us while you're spending time in quarantine. Um, Getting back to Discord, Anna, did you see how Adam very briefly made like a one-line appearance in Gate 16? Super briefly. And then went completely back to fading in the black. Um, I asked Adam to give us an update. It's almost as if... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's almost as if you murdered him and then you made him appear briefly. Right, right. And then he went away again. Um, That's still my favorite Uh, conspiracy theory. Um, 
We did say though that uh, I or I asked Adam to give us like a a TLDR update about his life over the last couple months, just because uh, no one has sort of heard from him lately, and he just didn't respond. No. Like I said, what is the TLDR in your life? Yeah. Give it to us in a paragraph. Radio silence after that. So he went back to ignoring us. I have seen though. Uh, I follow Adam on the IG, Anna, and I know he did go out out onto the open waters with some friends. So he was on a boat recently as well. Oh, I hope it was socially distant friends. I think they're his roommates. If or I'm do not they mistaken. not have COVID-19 on, on Bowen Island? I'm just secretly hoping that he doesn't get washed away and attacked by a giant blue whale or something. But if that does happen, it's nothing to do with you. No, it is not. <laughs> um, Anna, lots to get into uh, on today's podcast. Uh, some relevant Canucks news, of course, uh, surfacing today, brought to us um, from Farhan Lalji of TSN, talking about uh, the Vancouver Canucks announcing their list of 10 black aces, giving us an update on Michael Furlan as well as that of Josh Levo. So we'll get into those little tidbits of news today. Uh, we'll redo our starting lineups. I think the first time we had done our starting lineups for the uh, Canucks in the summer was back when we, de- when we did the... Uh, first episode with dan murphy friend of the show dan murphy um so we had briefly discussed the lineups then but now that we're seeing a little bit more clarity on the status of some of those injured players anna a good time to sort of get back into that starting lineup who makes your game one versus minnesota lineup uh and who doesn't um also phase two of the nhl's uh, restart plan starting today There are some Vancouver Canucks players that are in British Columbia. The majority of them remain abroad, either in the U.S. or in Europe, of course. Uh, We'll get into that. Doesn't sound like some of the players are returning to Vancouver anytime soon, at least until the self-isolation issue is resolved. Uh, We'll also talk a little bit about the NHL's diversity panel and the work that they have to do. Of course, the ongoing conversations that we are having regarding the systemic racism we are seeing um you know across the world really but of course magnified especially in the united states with the killing of george floyd so lots to get into on today's episode anna so let's get right into it so anna forhan lalji as we mentioned off the top of the show bringing us some news today mentioning that the vancouver canucks have submitted that list of 10 skaters and a goalie to the NHL as potential black aces yesterday. Of course, if you missed it, the NHL announcing that the teams participating in the the play-in series and in the playoffs will be able to hold a roster of 28 players, no maximum on goaltenders. Uh, Let's run down briefly through the list here, Anna, but uh, among the black aces, you got Mikey DiPietro, on defense, Guillaume Brisebois, Jalen Chatfield, Ole Levy, Brogan Rafferty, and Ashton Sautner. And up front on the forwards, you have Justin Bailey, Reed Boucher, Tyler Grayovac, Cole Lind, and Sven Berge. Noticeably in all caps, by the way, from Farhan Lalji. Um, Anna, your first sort of initial reactions about those black aces. Well, I mean, they contain a lot of people that we'd like to see where we are with them, but you know, as far as playoffs goes, it's not really something you want to explore too much. Hopefully you don't have to, but it's such an unusual situation that obviously we want to have backup. Um, I mean, we're a bit scared about even putting um, Demko in and mind DiPietro. So 
the goalie depth does concern me if Markstrom were to go down. Um, the defense is like pretty solid in terms of um, a backup list here. Um, obviously, we're still curious about Levy, but you know, Breeze one, Chatfield are solid. Rafty's like very up and coming. Sorton has like been around the league and. There's a lot of there's a decent amount of NHL experience in the forward group too, um, along with some promising AHLers. Obviously, you don't want to depend on any of them, but like, apart from the goalies, uh, I think it's decent lineup. What What do you think? Well, I mean, let's get into this first by starting off with the defense, as you um, mentioned. Well, I'm let's Mikey DiPietro. I mean, I think there's no problem since you're able to have no maximum on goaltenders. No problem at all with having Mikey DiPietro practicing with the team, seeing it's very akin to a yeah. training camp, giving him um, experience practicing with NHL players. I mean, we did see Mikey DiPietro definitely take a leap forward in his development in his first professional season. Um I think it's it's clear that Mikey DiPietro will be the Utica Comets' starting goaltender next season, um, barring some unforeseen circumstances with the Canucks' goaltending situation. Um, you look at the Utica Comets' roster right now, and you know Richard Bachman was loaned out to Europe. Zane McIntyre he was traded off to Binghamton uh, midway through the year, so really there's there's not a whole lot of other goaltenders who are competing with Mikey DiPietro for playing time. Um, you know, mm-hmm. DiPietro has a very clear path to getting significant games next season with the Utica Comets. So I think the Vancouver Canucks are very invested in his development. And I think this is that extra step in giving him some of those meaningful moments in his career that are going to be very valuable for his development. So that's what I think on DiPietro. And, you know, I know that Louis Domingue is still in the sure. factor as well, but, you know, having four quality goaltenders doesn't hurt anyone. I mean, you're knocking on all the wood you can that, you know, Jacob Markstrom returns to health and returns to full health. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are my thoughts on Mikey DiPietro. I think it's a good move to um, continue having him grow in his development with uh, the Vancouver Canucks if and when we get to return to play. On the defense front, I want to get your thoughts on this, Anna. Of that list of defensemen that are on the Black Aces list, and again, I'll run through for you, Breezebois, Chatfield, Yulevi, Rafferty, and Ashton Sautner, which of these five really jumps off the page for you as players you would see get that first crack in the event of an injury to the defense? See, I want to say Bergen Rafferty because he is that big name that really we haven't seen, um, but has been just adapted so well to the AHL level, and you want to see him if he can take that extra stride. But you do wonder if they'll go to a more try and tested move of a Chatfield or a Sortner. Not even Breezeball? What do you think? Well, maybe Breezeball. Well, okay, so here's the thing. But, and you know, Sortner's played a decent amount of NHL games. For like, sure. Slotted into the lineup. So, so let before. me let me ask you this question. Of those defensemen, who do you think helps the team right now? It's so hard to say. Um like Rafty is far and away the most exciting, but you know. Um, but B- Breezeball, for example, like Breezeball has played NHL games, right? And like Sortner has, I'm looking up now. Is he has 23 NHL games? So, like, As has Rafferty, by the way. Like both both Rafferty and Breezeball have played games, but 
I think in terms of professional experience, mm-hmm. this is Rafferty's first real professional season. Whereas, you know, Breezeball has played in Utica for some time now and he's been more exposed to the Canucks um, organization in general. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say that I think if you're getting down to these players, you know, something's happened, something's gone wrong. So, and they'll get a decent look at them if they're training with a team day in, day out. And if Rafferty, like, steps up to the plate in his one, like, he gets thrown in for one game and he doesn't, he's able to swim, you know, that's, like, we'll say a bunch about his um, development. So, yeah, I think that if he's, I think if they are confident doing that, once they've seen him around training and stuff um, a bit, um, I think it'll just be situational dependent, but I, I'd i like to see it. Yep. Let me I mean, put it that way. So your first your first instinct, though, is that you would have Raffer to be at the top of that pecking order if there was to be an injury. Yeah. I want to see that. Yeah, fair enough. Oh. Um, it, worth mentioning that Brogan Rafferty is a right side defenseman. Guillaume Brisebois is a left side defenseman. So they play two di- completely different sides. Um, it, 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 it all, um, you know, it's, con- it, and it is all contingent on like who could possibly get hurt. But, um, uh, I think it's, it seems pretty clear to me that those two are the, the first two at the top of the pecking order. Like, I, I don't seriously believe that the Canucks would be wanting to force Ole Olevi yeah, or Jalen Chatfield into situations that they might not be able to handle. Um, specifically, Olevi, of course, just because yeah. he's a he's a dainty flower. And yeah. We have to take our mm-hmm. time with him. Um, but you know what? Every rose does blossom every once in a while, right? Um, Ash and Sautner, I actually kind of feel like I would rather have at the top of the pecking order over Olevi, by the way. I think... Sautner acquitted himself well in those like few games he played with the Canucks last year. Another left side defenseman, Yulevi, also a left side defenseman. So I actually kind of feel Sautner at the age of 26 might be ahead of Yulevi on that depth chart pecking order if uh, tragedy were to befall the Canucks defense. Right. And yeah, he's shown that like he doesn't like he can adapt and he can get thrown in for a single game and be okay, you know? Yeah. Um, I think the other intrigue here is is up front, obviously, Anna, and uh, I'll run through the list of forwards that are on the Black Aces once again here. Justin Bailey, Reed Boucher, Tyler Grayovac, Cole Lind, and Sven Berchi. Uh, the same question to you. Which of those five players do you really have at the top of your pecking list here in terms of if there were to be an injury up front? I mean, it's still Sven Berchi. As much as I don't see him as a long-term future in this organization, he is an NHL player. He's not an AHL player. Like he stands like every single person out of Utica doesn't understand why he's playing in Utica. He has playoff experience and like he Yeah. He's someone I trust to play to an NHL standard in a high pressure situation. Right. I mean, I, I think there's there's it's that's who I would pick too. But I think there's something ironic about how the Vancouver Canucks as an organization handed Berchi with a surprised emotion to start the season and if the Canucks were to you know enter a situation where they suddenly needed him it's it's funny how 
the tables have turned in some ways with regards to Sven Berchi. I think for him, though, maybe you're looking at it as an audition for a future yes, NHL job. Maybe so. there's an, a team watching that postseason, that play-in series, that will take notice Sven Berchi and maybe be more willing to roll the dice on him that otherwise the team was not at the trade deadline when the Canucks were trying to move Sven Berchi. Right. Um, yeah, I as I said, I don't see him playing too many more games with um, the Canucks, but um, if there's a possible exit for him, but when it comes to the crunch in a playoff game, I trust him. The other interesting one here, um, I think here, Anna, is Cole Lind. And obviously the Canucks mm-hmm. hold Cole Lind in very high esteem. And, you know, there once was a time not too long ago where we were talking about getting kids, ex- um, you know, good minutes and the experience. Is a play-in series different for you? I mean, I think we're in a different time now than we were last year when we were trying to get guys like Reed Boucher and, you know, uh, again, Brogan Rafferty and Josh Tevez some minutes in the dying moments of the regular season. Yeah, it's a completely different experience. This isn't about development. It's about, you know, getting through it. And um, it's such a strange... Winning hockey games. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's such a strange situation that who knows who's going to flourish in this. And Lynn's a very physical player. He's very powerful. He's taken great strides um, in Utica after like quite a tricky start. Um, so I think it all depends, again, you know, who are these players that are falling out of the lineup um, as to who you need to replace. Like, Lind could plug in at that fourth line level, um, whereas Betchy, like, can't really. That's not his game. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, a Lind or a Bailey could ease a Grayavac has um, played at that fourth line level at the NHL and can do it. Um, yeah. But I, I agree wholeheartedly, by the way. Um, yeah. No, go ahead. No, Sorry. no. You, you continue. I kind of came to the end of my point there. For sure. Okay. So. I, I agree with just to sort of piggyback of what, what you just said. I think I look at Cole Lynn the same way I look at Ole Olevi in this case, where I, I think there is a very good NHL future for Cole Lynn, but we're not in the business of giving kids experience right now. Mm-hmm. We're in the business of trying to win hockey games and winning a play in series. Um, uh, for me, I, I mean, Sven Berchi is a pretty clear and cut first preference in terms of the black aces if there were to be an injury but i think justin bailey and reed boucher are pretty close behind i mean we saw bailey in that short cup of coffee that he had with the connects this season an that espresso, he can sort of if you play will. up and down the lineup yes he's i mean he's very he's he's got some good size to him too that we we really kind of underestimated throughout the year i mean six four two fourteen he skates pretty well for that size i think that's a player who can play up and down the lineup um, you know, if there were to be an injury to the bottom six, I think Bailey could step in pretty seamlessly. I'm hoping it doesn't come to that because as we're going to look at the Arcanucks lineup in a few minutes here, there would have to be quite a few injuries for a Justin Bailey or a Reed Boucher to slot in. But um, again, I, I think that the Canucks Black Aces group looks pretty good. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of happy with it. It's solid. Um, as you say, like, hopefully it doesn't get too much use. Um, but yeah, I think there's some good experience. Um, a lot of AHL success in there and in terms of actually like some good NHL experience as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, some players who were not left on the uh, Black Lace Black Aces list, or at least that we're not sure if they were eligible. Like, first of all, I don't we don't know what the status is on Nikolai Goldobin. Um, of course, he signed a contract with the KHL. He was KHL bound after this season. Whether he was eligible to be a Black Ace or not, it didn't seem like it was in the organization's best interest to include someone who very clearly is not going to be part of the team's future for at least the the foreseeable future. Right, and I um, I think it might have required players. some wang Go ahead. wang. I was just going to say it might require some you know finagling of contracts. You know, presumably his con his contract like he's contracted to the Canucks till like June or whatever he is. Like I just don't see the Canucks trying to make it work if it like trying to sidestep all those issues that you might have to do right i i think my assumption on it my assumption is that he wasn't eligible to play because his contract like you mentioned is up at the end of june the team is probably not playing until um you know early august maybe even um late july so it seems like his nhl contract would have expired so he would probably be putting himself in jeopardy with his khl contract so that's probably why Goldobin is intelligible to be a black ace. Also not in that list, Lucas Jasek, Yona Gadjevich. Um, Zach McEwen not on the list because of the fact he's currently on the Canucks roster by all intents and purposes. Um, those seem to be the big names for me that really stick out. Josh Tevez is another name who, of course, got a cup of coffee, but um, he's I think he's had a bit of a... Um, learning curve in his AHL yeah. season. So I think that list of 10 that we see is the correct list of players that should be considered black aces. Yeah, I think you're right. Some of the names you mentioned, Gajevich and Jasek, uh, like um, promising players, but do you really want to throw them into a like NHL playoff game? Probably not right now. Yeah, I mean, this is not a September training camp here. We're talking about a, a playoff for the, for the Stanley Cup. So I think... That, that list of 10 that we see is the correct list of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, take a break, Hannah. When we get back, uh, we'll talk about that other bit of news that's floating around, and especially the status of Michael Furlan, as well as that status of Josh Levo. We'll get into our Canucks playoff lineups revised. What is it? Canucks playoffs 2.0 right after this. And he liked to say the F word. Oh, then get the f- here then. Okay, see ya. Oh, Oh. He's going to have the F word on it. I wish I could give you a explanation about it. I can't. You, 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 you. Out of here. You said the F word, Dad. You called me the F word. So, Anna, part two of Farhan Lalji's news dump of the day is that uh, Michael Furlan will begin skating at the Winnipeg Jets facility once it opens. We don't know when that's opening. Um, Furlan, according to Lalji, has gone through testing and has been cleared to skate. No symptoms, and he believes he is close to being ready to play. If Michael Furlan's progress continues through training camp, the expectation is he will play against the Minnesota Wild in that play-in series. Less optimism, though, surrounding Josh Levo, who's, of course, suffered a fractured kneecap. Lodger reporting that he is still doing rehab and that his injury is taking longer than expected. Unlikely that Josh Levo will be ready for the start of training camp in July. The pending unrestricted free agent may not be ready until next season. Start with Michael Furland, Anna, and that's, of course, where the intrigue seems to be here. We touched on Furland earlier. 
and that we don't want him rushing back unless he's 100% completely and ready to play. Your thoughts on this bit of news? Um, yeah, I think we've yeah said before we've expressed concern um, over like how he'll do, but you know he's showing all the right signs, and I don't know what else he can do before actually getting into a game that would make us change our minds. So, like he's doing as much as possible to show he's ready. So it still remains to be seen, like um how he'll do in a game how he'll do skating with a whole team because i think just that nhl speed will show a lot but i don't want to you know as long as it's safe i wish them best and hope he does come back up to speed yeah i mean so obviously this this is a little different than the last time Michael Furlan was working his way back from the concussion protocol. A lot have, has time has passed um, mm-hmm. compared to the, the previous time when he suffered that setback in Utica. Um, and I do think that time does count for something here. When you're coming back from a concussion, you're, you're not rushing back to play. Um, I, I think the very clear thing here is that we know Michael Furlan at 100% is a very effective NHL player. Hmm. Um, it, it's very interesting to look at the prospect of Furlan being in your lineup in a playoff series. Um, and I, I see an impactful player there, at least physically. Um, and he has that physical presence that teams definitely notice as well. So for me, I, I I'm, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but I think if Michael Furlan is clear to skate and he's ready to go, and he's a hundred percent ready to play. I, I mean, uh, he's going to get some skates in practice and everything. But I probably wouldn't have much hesitation to putting him out there in Game One against that Minnesota series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a lot more confidence that there hasn't been any um, setbacks as yet. But I think um, a lot will change when he starts skating properly and skating with people um yeah because you can skate by yourself and feel confident and then when you're getting into line rushes that does change a lot but i definitely feel more confident i gotta i have to see him taking contact in practice as well yeah like i'm not putting him out there in an nhl game to have him you know injured five minutes into the first period and then we're playing with 11 skaters up front yeah exactly so, I mean, for me, there, there's there got to be a lot of checks and balances that have to be made on Furland just to ensure his health mm-hmm. um, and to jeopardize him would be um, quite bad from an organizational standpoint. Um, your thoughts on Josh Levo, and, and I think this was kind of surprising to me anyway. I think Josh Levo's injury took place, you know, earlier in the season um, to the point where we had all thought that there was the possibility Levo could be ready for April before the um the pandemic started and halted play. Um, so for Josh Leva to still not quite be at a point where he's um, past rehabilitation is quite surprising to me. So what are your thoughts on Josh Levo's injury taking longer than expected to heal? Yeah, it's disappointing. I think we all put him in our lineups. I think Murph put him in his lineup um, initially and there's been rumblings for like a week or so that he hasn't really been responding that well um, to his rehab. So it is disappointing. 
and given like Canucks are sort of supposedly a top heavy team it's a shame to lose like one of your more skilled players um out of that sort of middle six role um yeah obviously we want to know how like how he would return but I think he was he has been quite promising um so yeah it's disappointing and it's disappointing for him and I hope he's able to you know start fresh next season and continuing to improve yeah on the topic of Levo, um, was trending to be a very solid player for the Vancouver Canucks when uh, he was injured. 36 games into the NHL season, he had 19 points and 7 goals, so he was looking at a 40-point pace around the time of his injury. Um, the problem is, and you mentioned this, Anna, hopefully ready for next season, we don't know if Josh Levo will be back next season. Right. He's another impending UFA, and um, as we've talked about ad nauseum here on the show, there are a lot of other players that are probably taking priority over Josh Levo before the Canucks can get to him. Yeah. So the question now becomes, have we maybe seen the last of Josh Levo in a Vancouver Canucks uniform? Given like all the Jags we have signed to non-Jag prices, it's such a shame if his like potential gets squandered over all those bad deals and him not being a priority. But at the same time, those deals have been signed and we have a lot of important deals coming up in the next few years. So, um, those, I mean, are definitely let, more important. let's get in, let's get into this a little bit here. I mean, Josh Levo, he was making 1.5 million, I believe mm-hmm. on this contract before, uh, hitting unrestricted free agency. What's the appetite for you and, you know, bringing him back on a one year show me contract roughly around the same amount of dollars. I mean, that's, that could be a bargain, right? Like, given he's sort of that middle six player and has played in the top two lines previously, um, that's pretty cheap. Um, so if there's space to make that work and given like where he came from and, you know, really not doing well in the Leafs organization at all, um, hopefully there's some appetite for him to stay where he is and make it work. My my sense on the surface here is that the Canucks' plans for Josh Levo probably and ultimately hinge on how much it will cost to sign Tyler Toffoli to a new contract. Um, you know, you look at what Tyler Toffoli's position is and you look at who he was replacing. He effectively replaced Josh Levo in that second-line role for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Toffoli's making $4.6 million this season. It's likely he's probably looking for 5 to $6 million on his next contract. If the Canucks can't come to terms with Toffoli and Toffoli walks away as a free agent, I think that's when they might circle back to Josh Lee. Yeah, um, I was going to say that that's going to be a huge priority. Like what happens with Markstrom and then subsequently what happens with Toffoli. If they're able to land Toffoli, they, you know, that might spell the end for Josh Lee, though. But mm. if they're not, you know, he's a very um, cheap replacement. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, here's the thing. I, I definitely think that there's a place for Josh Levo on this roster, but I think at the end of the day, it will come down to dollars and cents. If Josh Levo is willing to take that short-term show-me contract, I might welcome him back whether to fully signs or not. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, um, let's take this conversation, Anna, into 
your lineup now for the Vancouver Canucks against game one, in, against Minnesota in game one. And it's been about a month or two since we last had this conversation when we caught wind of the uh, NHL starting up again um, for that restart plan. Um, we talked about this with Dan Murphy. I want to know, given what we now know about uh, Michael Furlan and what we now know about Josh Levo's status and the Black Aces, um, let's go through our lineups for game one against the Minnesota Wild. I mean, up front for me, and I'll start here, um, it's pretty clear that it's going to be JT Miller, Pedersen, and Brock Besser on that top line. Any thoughts? Any, yeah, I mean, any qualms with that? No qualms. That's what I had as my top line initially. I don't think I've changed my mind. Obviously, I know a few people want to throw Toffoli in the top line and not averse to that, and I think we'll just have to see how it goes. But um, for now, I'm sticking with that Miller, PD, Besser. Yeah, yeah, and I think that leaves a, a very clear and obvious second line of Tanner Pearson with Bo Horvat and Tyler Toffoli on that second line. Right. I mean, it's just clicked, you know, Pearson and Horvat over the whole season, and Toffoli's just jumped in and adapted very well there, so I think that's pretty clear second line. Right, and now the real intrigue sort of starts at that third and fourth line spots. Um, there are probably about eight or nine guys competing for six playing spots. So, Anna, this is probably where we might meet some um, some discord here, if you will. Um, I think for me, I'm keeping Antoine Roussel uh, at the left wing spot on the third line, and I'm keeping Adam Gaudet in the third line center spot, and I'm slotting Michael Furlan onto the right wing there. As your third line. Jumping yeah. like squishing jake off that third line yeah i mean here's the thing do you rather go with um a jake for who has played what is it two two or three playoff games or do you rather go to a michael Furlan, who pretty much was a thorn in the vancouver connect side when he played as a calgary flame member in the playoffs by the way, Jake Vertanen has not played in a playoff game for the Vancouver Canucks, so he's got zero playoff right. experience compared to Michael yeah, Furlan. But that's not his fault. The Canucks have been terrible. I know, well, I know. not entirely. But I, I think that's part of that's okay. part of the reason why. I'm I mean, gonna... Vertanen has definitely held into that middle six winger spot because of the fact that there has been um, more vacancies in that area. Yeah, that's fair. And but I think I would still stick with Roussel, Gordet, Vertanen as that third line. Just because if you stick Felland okay. on there, you lose that speed. Like, that slows that line right down. It changes it, and Felland brings something else. Um, but yep. initially, I'd want to keep Felland. I mean, these are just nominal things. Some resell good at Vatan and often got the lowest minutes out of anyone. Um, it really depends the game you're playing. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't want to hamper the speed. Yeah, no, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, Part of me, and I do have Vertanen in my lineup, and he has I have him on my fourth line here, so mm -hmm. I'll get to that in a second. But part of me wanting to do this is I think Furlan can play tougher matchups a lot better than Jake Vertanen can. And if Jake Vertanen is in a fourth line role, he can um, play a lot more softer matchups that he might be able to take advantage of. On my fourth line, Anna, as a result, leftover, I've got Tyler Mott on the left wing. I've got Brandon Sutter on the fourth line. And then I have Jake Vertanen on the right wing. Yeah, that's fair. I think I would also stick Martin Sutter there, but obviously I'm putting Michael Furland rather than Jake Vertanen. Um, 
I do want to kind of stick with, I think both Murph and Sats had this, that carrying an extra center in your lineup is no bad thing. So having Mott there as a spare mm. center um, to take draws or just like slot into that center role if he's needed um, is no bad thing, which would be why I wouldn't take Zach McEwen. Um, mm-hmm. I can obviously see Beagle being used in that fourth line spot, but if I'm picking rather than Travis Green, uh, I'm having Beagle sit. And obviously Louis as well. Right, and if you remember... Yeah, and if you remember the conversation we had with Murph, he, he even sort of alluded to the fact that having Sutter and Beagle in the same lineup was kind of redundant. So that, for me, seems to indicate that it should come down to either Beagle or Brandon Sutter. One of them's got a Stanley Cup, though, and one of them doesn't, but I do think that Sutter is the more effective of the two players. Yeah, I think just defensively, I do trust Brandon Sutter a bit more. Right. Yeah, and so you mentioned Jay Beagle and you mentioned Zach McEwen as some of those spares. Also included in the spares there, Louis Erickson, of course. I think that was almost a foregone conclusion given that the Canucks were pretty close to 100% healthy up front. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think of those three spares, um, I'd really like to see Zach McEwen in a playoff game as well. Um, you know, too. If Michael Ferlin isn't at a point where he's um, 100% ready to go. I have no problems or hesitations with uh, moving McEwen into the fourth line right winger spot and bumping Jake Vertanen up to the third line. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Like, we've seen that McEwen is solidly an NHL player now. Um, I don't see him going back to the A at all. Um, But yeah, that's a real test, isn't it? To see how you perform in NHL playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Throughout the rest of the lineup, it's pretty cut and dry. Not as much drama there. Um, in that top pairing, you've got Alex Heather and Tyler Myers, I assume. Then you will have Quinn Hughes with Chris Tantanov. Um, and then likely two of the three of Jordy Ben and Troy Stetcher or Oscar Fantenberg being in the mix. My preference is to, again, still have Jordy Ben in place of Oscar Fantenberg, though. Yeah, I mean, me as well. Like, um, Stetcher's not been great with Fantenberg at all. Um, and I definitely want Stetcher in there. Um, so marginally, I say Ben, but yeah, that whole <laughs> the de- defense doesn't fill you with confidence, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, I will say that if you're you're not liking Jordy Ben or Oscar Fantenberg in that left spot, you could do worse with than having Guillaume Breezeball in there if you want to have a little bit of a different look. <laughs> Well, I think with that um, lineup of Black Aces, the defense is pretty good. So I'm hoping that last pairing does feel like they have to perform or there's plenty of other up-and-comers that could take their spot. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then, of course, in goal, no drama here. Jacob Markstrom will Mm -hmm. regain his starting spot after returning from injury, so... That one seems to be um, a no-brainer for me. Yeah, that's an easy pick there. All right, uh, Anna, we'll take our next break. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, some of those Canucks players who are um, in town, but they have their own arrangements. Uh, Rogers Arena set to open, but doesn't sound like the ice is going in anytime soon. We'll talk about some of the players who are staying in their own hometown until the self-isolation issue is, is resolved. 
as well as the NHL diversity panel. So all that coming up next here on the C4 podcast on ConnectsHockeyBlog.com and on the full press coverage network. Take hitting out of the game. You can't hit anymore, so don't do it. The unsportsmanlike conduct, I want to get an explanation on. No kidding. Because how do you get suspended for unsportsmanlike conduct? Plus interference. There's no interference there. He had the puck. Now, Madison never, ever did that before. Now, why did he do it? That because he was mad. Well, your early favorite for the Calder (laughs) Trophy, that's for sure. Elias Patterson, you might even say your early favorite for the Hart Trophy. (laughs) Just to get back to your question, Elias is going to play plenty of heat and play. He's going to get a lot of power play time. And, yeah, I'm concerned about our offense. We lost 200-point players, and we've got to find a way to score. So, Anna, uh, phase two of the NHL's restart plan starting this week. And uh, we learned earlier that uh, there are three Canuck players who are currently in British Columbia. The rest of the roster uh, still out of town. The players who, if I'm not mistaken, are in town, Troy Stetcher, Jordy Ben, and Jake Vertanen. Is that and correct? Alex Edler. He never left. And Alex Edler. He's, so there's he, actually he's quite, never going there's, to there's leave. There's a few players. Oh, he's never leaving. And no movement clauses be damned. <laughs> um, so it doesn't sound like players are returning to Vancouver anytime soon. Um, I think that's all well and good. Um, have you heard anything about like the 14-day quarantine that's still in effect? Um, and if there's any sort of movement on relaxing that for players? So I think that's still something they're working on. But here's my beef. So, like... People, like, NHL players who have arrangements can, like, train now. And I'm sure if there were enough players, they would open up Rogers or, like, make it work with that, um, if that was beneficial. If they, like, it's really not ideal, the self-isolation thing. But if they decided now, like, to get over that, like, and come, like, everything would be sorted in two weeks' time. Just like, what if you keep delaying it and so, there ends up being no exemption? And then you have to spend your like right. two so weeks what in self-isolation is, down the track. So are you trying to suggest that players should be trying to come back now if they can? I don't know. It just like concerns me that... um, I don't know. It just seems like it's such a public health thing. There's a reason why it's in place. Um, that, like, I know they want to, like, train, but, like, they could have come back two weeks ago, and now they would, like, when they announced phase two, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever they announced it, um, and then they'd be on Rogers Arena ice tomorrow. Obviously, you know, that's, it sucks saying that now, because, but, like, is, like, Brock Besser really doing himself good on the boat in Minnesota? He does seem to be out on the lake quite a quite a lot, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, and I'm sure, like, I'm sure he's working out and stuff, but it's so far from like ice fitness. Like, you sound um, like the disappointed parent at oh, the moment. Yeah, I know. I don't want to be that person, but I just think if players, I know there's a mental health issue, and I know it's tough, but like, if players got over themselves like two weeks ago, they could be training today right so this is the fan first mentality here is that you're you're 
you're wishing that players were making that commitment to come over now, um, to quarantine now, and to you know get get the wheels in motion for that restart for for August first. Yeah, and obviously, like it's I can understand that it's uncertain, and then if they came over now, and then they, you know, like after their two week quarantine, they start they waived the, the, you know, they made the exemption, but then. You still are not like you know. You'd still be in the same position. It means like you'd be still be like starting training at the exact same time. Surely, like I understand the frustration, but at the same time, you just wonder if it's worth just putting aside that. No, but for sure. I that's understand. my soapbox. Um, that's it. Over. No, it's it's not quite. Uh, what will the Canucks do with Demko and Markstrom and expansion, like Chris would mm-hmm. say? Or it, it's not. Uh, it's not uh, the cap recapture on Luongo kind of a thing. But it's not bad. It's a it's a solid seven out of ten. Thanks. So Fox level. I'll take that. Um, Anna, you before we before we go, you wanted to touch on the NHL diversity panel and the work that they have to do. You want to get into that for a little bit? Yeah, I just wanted to mention it just, um, I think, given, you know, the context, it's an important step. Um, The people on the panel, uh, like Evander Kane, who's spoken very well um, recently as well on um, diversity and like his struggles with that. Akeem Alou, who wrote that wonderful article, wonderful, but also very sad article. Um, in the Players' Tribune, like, detailing his experiences. And, um, yeah, a lot, a few other players that just, like, you want that, like, those good voices. You just hope that the NHL is taking this seriously and it's just not a token move to satisfy right. so, the appetite. So I'm looking change. at the uh, the official, I'm looking at the official release here. Um, For the record, it's it's called the Hockey Diversity Alliance, I think is how it's worded here. Yes, and you mentioned some term. of those members, Akeem Alou, Evander Kane, um, Trevor Daly, Matt Dumbo, Wayne Simmons, Chris Stewart, and Joel Ward, mm-hmm. also part of the, the Hockey Diversity Alliance. I, I do think it's an important step. And I, I'm hoping that it's something that's a lot more than just, um, you know, people gathering together. It is, I am hoping that it is a group that affects real change. Um, it's at least for me, something that helps start the conversation and um, doing something to eradicate what has become a, a systemic problem, um, not just in professional sports, but again, across the world. Definitely. Um, because I know a lot of those players haven't necessarily been super vocal about their experience as minorities in hockey, but now that they have this platform and this backing, hopefully they'll feel like open to speak and supported and like they can really do something. Right. Um, uh, just from a local perspective, and I know that he takes a lot of heat for um, his off the ice, quote unquote, antics, if you will, of when he was younger. But it, it is nice to see Vancouver product Vander Kane being so vocal about what has become a, a very real issue. Um, he has been sort of on this charge since day one. And so um, kudos to him for uh, for taking that step to try and get the conversation started. Definitely. I think there's such a thing as, you know, develop, developing, like he's definitely matured as a person and a player over his career. And 
let's not forget the different standards that um, players of color are held to in terms of their attitude and whatever. They're definitely held to that different standard. So, um, yeah, I think he's, over the recent years, he's really shown that he is that thoughtful and considerate player. And now he's in a position to really do something with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Anna, before we wrap things up here in the C4 podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com and on the full press coverage network, anything that you'd uh, sort of like to add? Um, no, but like, you know, things are getting a little more real. We're talking about lineups and player health and obviously we're still a ways away from playing, but you know, um, I'm excited to see a few more players on the ice in the next few days and weeks. Yeah, I I'm, I just want to say I do echo your thoughts about um, players coming home. I mean, for me, I, it, it doesn't sort of become real until the players actually return back to Vancouver for training camp. Um, otherwise, it's all just sort of conjecture for me at this point. So I think I'm looking for that real sign that hockey is is coming back. And for me, it doesn't really sink in until you start seeing players back in Vancouver, until I see Bo Horvat in the Dadley's backyard and stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, that's going to do it for us here on the C4 Podcast, another great episode where we talked about Michael Furlan and uh, Josh Levo's status updates. We talked about uh, the Black Aces that the Vancouver Canucks may or may not be featuring throughout the play-in series and beyond. Um, a great episode. Um, my thanks to you, Anna, for uh, talking to me about it. Hopefully back with Chris Golden next week for the full crew showing up here. Um, with all that said, I guess, the two magical words, we're out. <laughs>